and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello folks, and welcome to yet another episode from the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, deriving your sales forward. I am Simon Hazeldean, and I am joined, as always, by the wonderful Sales Chat Show posse, Mr. Anthony Steers and Mr. Graham Jones. And this episode is called, Are Your Sales Team Failing to Make the Shift Between Virtual and in-person selling. Now, as we all know only too well, the world of sales, along with many other worlds, was absolutely turned upside down on its head and changed in all sorts of ways when we had the COVID pandemic, where everybody became an internal salesperson. And, you know, we all suddenly had to move across to using Zoom and Teams and, and things like that and make that make that kind of shift um but i've been out uh i've been out on on the road this week working with a client i've been to a number of their number of their sites um by way of background we have done a big piece of work with them a whole sales transformation uh, initiative and project involving sort of consultancy about helping them to define their sort of sales ecosystem sales sales process marketing process customer buying process integration with crm stages exit gates sales collateral yada yada uh, sales management system helping their managers be effective coaches through a cadence of of structured coaching and then um an academy of sales training uh, support academy as well and yesterday i was spending time on their sales floor with some of their internal um internal sales people from various <clears throat> functions uh, various channels uh, sort of having a little chat with them seeing how things were going finding out what will be most useful to them and one of the themes that came out which kind of prompted inspired this episode that that a lot of these folks spend the majority of their time interacting with their customers over Microsoft Teams or, or the telephone. So they're sort of, quote unquote, more office based. Um, mm -hmm. However, they do work from home one or two days a week. They're in the office two days a week. Customers, some of the customers work in the office. Some of the you know large corporates seem to be, in my experience, doing an approximately a three two three days in two days at home although that will vary enormously um one of the guys that i sat with was having a call with a customer from a, one of the big retailers that everybody would have heard of and this this gentleman was clearly joined what i could see on the video image on teams from his office in his garden <laughs> you know he had a very nice had a very nice office in his, his shed in the garden but he was clearly working at home yesterday yesterday being a thursday so they were working on like that but a number of them are now more increasingly uh starting to go back to some face-to-face -face interactions with customers and i was talking to one of the sales managers who realized that some of their newer salespeople might not have had very much experience of face-to-face -face meeting so I, I thought i just i thought i'd just chat with my esteemed colleagues here because we 
are we headed towards almost like some sort of omni-channel sales world? You know, omni-channel where you provide customers with a seamless sales and marketing experience, regardless of which channel. You know, some of the time we're at, we're in Anthony's domain, we're talking to them over the telephone. Some of the time we're on Zoom or Teams, we're on camera. Some of the time we are in a face-to-face. And, and do sellers have this ability to shift between these different, environment and and have the skills necessary you know virtual communication different to face to face we've got uh synchronous meetings happening in real time asynchronous contact with customers are sort of episodic so we just thought that that's the kind of are are, are we we really focused on helping people move to virtual but now we've got this hybrid, and I just wonder how much thought and consideration selling organisations are giving to the skills and capabilities of their people to, to have this agility to move between these different these different modes. So that was my that's just my ramble, guys, based on <laughs> conversations with with customers with customers yesterday. So yeah, I'd just be interested in in your thoughts. I think there's only one thing you need to remember, and that is if you are spent your life so far presenting on Teams and that you go out then to meet a client face-to-face, remember to put your trousers on because yeah. on Teams <laughs> you, you can sit there or on Zoom, you know, yeah. you can sit there in your pants and uh, then that wouldn't be a yeah. good thing if you were um, going out to... Uh, customer with just your pants on as it were um depends what you're selling of course but um... now now he tells me anthony now he tells me (laughs) i'm trying to work out what would be more awkward if you did that if you turned up at somebody's house to go to their home office or whether you met them at a coffee shop or at their office true yeah yeah (laughs) but it it is about appearance isn't it the what what's expected for you to wear on teams you know, it appears to be much more casual than might be deemed acceptable in a face-to-face meeting. So actually selecting your clothing is an important part of making the right impression when you meet a customer face-to-face. Absolutely. Just on that note, I remember one of my first big clients in London that I used to go into the office and work with, even though I was mainly doing phone stuff uh, because I was setting up meetings. And he said, look, let's, let's go to the meetings together. Um, and I always was dressed three-piece suit, pink tie, pink socks. I pretty much looked on brand every time you saw me. Uh, and, and it was interesting because he basically started to teach me, well, look, today's meeting in the West End with a media company. So there's no tie, no waistcoat, probably at least one, if not two buttons undone. I was like, really? He was like, yeah, yeah, leave, leave that in the car, leave that there. And then you'd go to a software company and going, okay, yeah, tie on here. I will probably won't worry about the waistcoat. And then we'd go right into the city and we're in like the banks and stuff. And all of a sudden it's three-piece suit. It's everything. Yeah, take your, your suitcase with you or your briefcase with you. Um, and it was really interesting because I have never – it was my first experience of working in London and going to all of these meetings. Um, but it was just something that he went, if you turn up to a media company in your three-piece suit, mate, they're going to laugh at you like it's your first day. Basically, yeah. it's your first day. And I just went, oh, okay. That makes-. Anyway, if we turn up to the banks and you do not look smart, they're just going to think you've not made the effort. You are not the sort of caliber. And I was just, ah. And it was just interesting very early on to get to learn that. Yeah. Um, Each sector but- has its uniform, doesn't it? The, yeah, you know, and, and so 
you know, the banks, you know, you've got your uniform of your three-piece suit. Um, whereas, yeah, media companies, you know, you're in chinos and a unbuttoned shirt. Um, and if you're not, you're in the wrong kind of uniform. But there is a uniform for online. Um, yeah. So the the meetings that people have online, there is this uniform of, well, you're at home, so everybody expects you to wear homely clothes kind of thing. And they don't care if, you know, a cat appears on the screen or the dog barks or all of those kind of things. Whereas if you yeah. took your cat to a meeting in the city, um, I'm afraid they m might um, think rather oddly <laughs> about what your sales meeting was. So the same, you know, city, city customer online would be sitting there in their home, in their garden office, in casual clothes, they're not going to go to work in a three-piece suit when they're at home. So they're going to be wearing their casual clothes and they may say to you in the meeting, oh, you know, you might hear, you know, the dog barking or, you know, the cat will come in or whatever. Yeah, and that's all acceptable. Then you turn yeah. up to see the same person in their office in the city and they're wearing a three-piece suit and their cat and dog are not with them. And yeah. so if you turn up in the same way that you met them online just the day before, they're going to be deem it unacceptable they're going to deem that you are not in the right uniform for the right context so actually mm -hmm, yeah. one of the things that's important going from online to offline is what context is this in and what am i expected to be doing yeah i, yeah. Now, ask, I now ask um what's your dress code on yeah. site now now more often than not they either say we're pretty casual or it's normally shirts shirts and trousers no ties but that should not be taken as a generalization across all you're thinking no. about city you know i've i have a client in the city and the 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 ceo and the coup will both wear very very classic and they are i would say circa 60 early 60s they are in proper pinstripe city suits ties very 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 shiny shoes i don't know if they're both military by background and I do remember turning a suit and tie, but with my little rucksack. And I definitely remember them sort of quizzically looking at the rucksack because they both have briefcases. You know, I wonder if they I can imagine the conversation afterwards. Nice chap. Is he a mountain climber or something? You know, and, I, and that was the morning meeting and the afternoon meeting. I went across to a. Uh, a, a very well-known company that were bought out by Microsoft who are in the tech sector. And all I can tell you is it is nigh on impossible to have any sort of decorum sitting on a beanbag in a chill out room, having a meeting with a client whilst wearing your suit. So <laughs> it was. <laughs> but I, think, I think you can't hit the nail on the head there. I think that the sometimes you are going to have to be quite direct to ask, because if we go back to the example of your client who sat in his garden office let's not call it a shed yeah, um yeah. it would depend on the type of meeting i'm trying to set up with him if it's a bit of a catch-up and perhaps we do need to it would be useful to be sat together he he might invite me to go to his home office and my guess is most people will probably not be that comfortable uh, to do that um so you've then got the option of well is it going to be a local coffee shop so are we having more of a lunch type meeting or a coffee meeting or is it a he's going to book a room or we're going to get something in an office space um, or, or are they coming to us sometimes as well? So you, yeah. you, you kind of got to suss out the environment that you're going to be in with clients as well. And yeah, that asking quite directly the dress code 
I think will hopefully at least set your expectation of what their expectations are. Yeah. And also beyond beyond just dress code, client expectations of the meeting, because it takes me much less effort as a client to join a 15, 20 minute, 30 minute Teams or Zoom call than it does do. And it's likely to be because it's in person. Typically, it's going to be a bit it's going to be a bit longer, but also what's going to be valuable to the customer? What's the customer want from this meeting? What are they expecting from this meeting? And are you bringing enough value? One of the younger, you know, young guy, I'm merely being descriptive, right? Fairly young guy, had a couple of years of experience. And I was chatting to him about going for his, some of his first face-to-faces. And he said, well, firstly, he said, it's going to take me two hours to get there. It's going to take me two hours to get back. He said, pretty much is the whole day. And I said to him, yeah, and, you know, you'd have probably made quite a lot of revenue working on the sales floor that day. So you've got to make sure you get the value for your company, but also you've got to be, it's got to be a good use of the customer's time. Because if, mm-hmm. if you've got 15 minutes of things to talk about and there's an hour, you're starting to waste their time and that's not good for the that's not good for the relationship either is it so i think very clear objectives what's the customer want from the meeting therefore what do we need to take and prepare who is coming from the customer's side <clears throat> how many people are coming i mean graham you know we were chatting before we came on air you know about some clients will have areas for suppliers to meet buyers they won't necessarily be meeting rooms so if you think you know i'm gonna i'm gonna show them some penetrating market insight to to show some thought leadership and you can't connect to a screen is your laptop or tablet screen good no it's probably not so and you've got four people suddenly come from the customer i think you've got to prep much more carefully because Mm -hmm. more things can go wrong in a face-to-face environment than, than than virtually yeah, absolutely. And you, and you have to face that embarrassment if it does go wrong. And um, I suppose it kind of also depends on what sort of business you are. Because, um, for example, I, I work with some IT companies where this is relevant and also a logistics courier type business as well. And the reason they want to go and meet you face to face is they want to have a look around. They want to see what kit you've got set up or they want to look at the warehouse layout and the volume of stuff because that then helps them tailor what it is the solution that they're going to put forward so sometimes doing a bit of discovery while you're there it's a yeah i'm going to come and visit you for an hour but for the first 20 minutes if you can just get your it manager to let me in the comms room or can just answer a few questions or if i can just talk to your warehouse manager i'd love to just see your setup i think then it becomes so much more valuable for the visit i think if you're visiting for the sake of visiting it's harder but you're really trying to do it to strengthen the relationship try and take it from an online relationship to seeing the whites of their eyes and not just talking business quite often with with virtual i find it with virtual events you tend to stick to the agenda you don't tend to get the water cooler kind of chats and the things that happen that weren't in the schedule if that makes sense so you don't get to meet or bump into people um but one just quick thing simon on the whole traveling you mentioned about like the guy had like two hours each way there's four hours in the car there um obviously subject to you um knowing where you're going or using sat nav and having a car kit for your phone any field sales people i work with that in the mornings or the night before you prepare your car call list because it is dead time and you should be phoning people yeah they you store yeah. those numbers in your phone beforehand you typically tend to do more follow-up type stuff that's more um you've, you've got more detail in your mind and it's something specific you're trying to chase up rather than random cold calling from the car it doesn't quite work the same 
Um, but sometimes just taking that car call list, I think, is really useful. And one technique I give people is um, have your window open slightly at the very beginning so that when somebody answers, they can clearly hear. And you say, look, apologies, I'm actually in the car on my way to a meeting, but I've been meaning to get a hold of you. If you've got a couple of minutes now, it'd be great to chat. And it's a really good way to get permission to speak. And it almost feels like they feel quite special. You've obviously thought about them before this. You've, um, you're squeezing it into your very busy day. Um, so it can kind of have its benefits and the productivity that you might think you're losing from being out of the office. You don't lose all of it uh, if, if you use your time wisely in the car. But, but also, actually, you just reminded me, Anthony, about that that planning and preparation. Uh, we were in, we've recorded a couple of episodes today, and in the in in the previous episode, Graham talked about one of his hobby horses. Uh, I've got to say, one of mine is planning and preparation for meetings. And I was doing some work with a with a group of graduates, and I was I've been asked by the client in the IT industry just sort of give them the a basic foundational introduction to sales and managing customers. And I'd run, I was running three in-person modules and two of them were in London and one of them was at their, at their headquarters uh, outside of London. And I never started any of the sessions with all of them being in the room on time. They're all like, Oh, there was a problem with the tube. There was a problem with the train. And like, you know, and in London you think, okay, yeah, maybe, yeah. but um, they all stayed overnight in a hotel, oh. a mile from their headquarters for the final, for the final one. And there were still four of them that were late. And I'd, I'd had a conversation with the sponsor and I, and he said, I, if they're late for the last one, he said, please let them have it with both barrels. Cause this is, this is just not, good enough discipline so they yeah. turn up they turn up late and i said i said what's the problem they said we couldn't get a taxi i said you're a mile away we couldn't get a taxi i said what time did you start to get a taxi and they said oh wait we, we tried to get one at like 8 50 for a nine o'clock start and i'm going why didn't yeah. you pre-book why didn't you pre-book it i oh, don't need to you can just get an uber yeah, but you can't get an Uber because they're all books. It's the busiest time of the day for time. And I went, are you really going to turn up for, I was giving them a bit of a rollicking, are you really going to turn up for customer meetings 10 minutes late? I mean, look, it happens to all of us, right? If, if, the, if the M25 shut, the M25 shut, it can happen to anybody. But when it happens because you're poorly planned or you arrive at five to nine and you yeah. don't know where the visitor's car park is and you find out the visitor's car park is full. So you have to go to the overspill parking and then you have to find reception. Then you have to get checked in. And now we're yeah. five past 10 past nine because you're not well enough planned. <laughs> that is just, that's not an accident. That is your fault. And you know, that is, that's just, just not good enough. Well, that's I have just, business students enough. turning up late for a lecture. Um, uh, the first thing I say in the morning, I'll always say to them, you know, they're five minutes late for a lecture and I'll just stop talking and go, good evening. Um, you know, it's <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning kind of thing to make the point. And they, they look at me and go, oh, and they yeah. see the point I'm making. And then I ask them, so there you are in business. You've got an appointment with your bank manager. Your appointment with your bank manager is at 11 o'clock in the morning. What time do you arrive to meet your bank manager? And they all go, oh, five to 11. 11 o'clock what 11 o'clock meeting 11 o'clock and i'm going yeah. no you are there at 10 o'clock <laughs> yeah for an 11 o'clock meeting and they said why would we get there an hour early i said because that gives you time in case there are problems like you can't get a taxi and all the rest yeah. of it and if you're there for 10 o'clock great you've got an hour to think about what you're going to say to the bank manager have a coffee make sure you look smart yeah. um and get yourself organized yeah if you turn up at 11 o'clock for an 11 o'clock meeting with your bank manager you ain't going to get the loan 
Yep. So yep. It's as simple as that. Because <laughs> we've got a lot of uh, my experience with clients and participants joining virtual training sessions or workshops is you join at 11 o'clock at 11 o'clock. Yeah. And I think we yeah. kind of got into that. Now, as well, for a virtual, I would say log on 10 minutes early, five minutes early, because somebody from the client might also join a perfect opportunity to have a, 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 a little, you know, impromptu, informal chat, which, by the way, Anthony, to your point about water cooler, plan mm -hmm. for your impromptu conversations that will also happen because it's a different feeling to a formal mm -hmm. meeting. It's that little chat when you're on site, when you're grabbing a coffee. It's a great yeah. rapport building opportunity or ask some more informal questions as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's plan everything. When you look plan at everything. when you look at a Teams meeting and it's, you know, 11 o'clock, and it's, you know, one minute to 11 and there's nobody there. Uh, whereas if you were in a face to face meeting, people would already be in the room for the 11 o'clock a minute early. And then you sit. I just sometimes sit and watch and the clock is ticking down. And then at exactly 11 o'clock, oh, it goes ping, ping, ping with everybody joining. Yeah. But I have a colleague who always joins the meetings he's involved in 10 minutes early. So he's got an 11 o'clock meeting. He will open the team's call at 10 to 11. And I said to him, why did you do that? And he said, because other people will see the meeting. Somebody started the meeting. And he said, those people who join, we often have very interesting conversations prior to the meeting about things that wouldn't come up in the meeting, but ought to come up in the meeting. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a kind of way of finding out things. And as you would, if you were... You know, you turn up at 10 to 11 for an 11 o'clock meeting in a meeting room, you'd have a pre-meeting chat. Because actually mm -hmm. the, ten, the 10 minutes early is um, <clears throat> Sir Clive Woodward, who was the former England uh, England rugby coach uh, who led us to, to great victories. We, we, we spoke on the same on the same bill at the National Sales Conference in the UK. And he mentioned that one of the things they had as a team spirit a team ethos was lombardi time named after the american football coach vince lombardi mm. whose rule was 10 minutes early is on time yeah i, I just mm. had a client who used to say that because if you're not 10 minutes early you're late yeah, yeah. anyway even if you're five minutes early you're still going to rush in you'll be slightly flustered yeah other people will be talking already and you won't you're out you're out of that inner circle yeah you're like excluded you aren't you yeah so yeah. I mean I think it's it's all about the planning and prep, the logistics, the what are you what are you planning on presenting, for what purpose, how are you going to be presenting, are you going to be able to do that when you're on site, and what are the things that you want to achieve? Because you've got to you've got to bring value to the customer. In, there is there is a difference, isn't there? That but when we see online meetings, everybody is used to the fact of somebody saying, "Oh, um, I need to share my screen to share a presentation." Yeah. And then they go, hold on a minute. And then everybody's perfectly happy with them not knowing what the button is. And you might be thinking, oh, it's top right, whatever. Um, and, you know, you give them a few seconds and then you see them scrolling through their windows until they get the presentation. And it's kind of accepted normal practice for an online meeting. Yeah. If you did that in a face-to-face -face meeting, you'd be out the room on your ear because you were completely unprepared. So the fact is people go from an online meeting to a face-to-face -face meeting, and if they apply that, what they've done in an online meeting because it's acceptable there, it's totally unacceptable in a face-to-face -face meeting. Well, also, also um, 
the slide deck, for example, the PowerPoint, I always say to salespeople, if you've if you've got a, a, a particular presentation you use or you're going to use that's virtual in a face to face it's going to be different. It's going to need to look differently. Yeah. You know, you, you get, particularly it's the it's more from going from face to face to virtual, I think, is because you're yeah. having to compensate for things. But to go back the other way the one that you've used very successfully on teams might not be appropriate for a face-to-face -face meeting. It's an yeah. entirely, it's an entirely different medium of communication. Um, it's a much richer mode of communication. So you might be able to achieve far more face-to-face -face than you do, yeah. than you do virtually. Interestingly, during the pandemic, one of, one of my clients said to me that one thing they'd noticed for negotiations was that, pre-pandemic if they used to sort of fly into austin texas to go for a meeting with a client there was kind of an expectation that things would be agreed and things would happen and he said they noticed when it went virtual well it's really easy to book another virtual meeting so they it would take longer to get a decision so therefore you might say okay maybe the client thinks well i'm investing time in meeting face to face with the supplier maybe their expectations are really different from what they're going to expect when you're having a Teams meeting. And what are they? What are you hoping to get from this meeting? Really? I un understand what it is the client wants. On that note, I've got clients who track that. Um, I'm sure it was something like double the success rate of a face-to-face -face meeting to close within two weeks than a schedule, than an online meeting. Yeah. Um, and that's simply because, like you say, if they've made the effort, to, to carve out some time to see you in person that's a lot more effort has gone into doing that than to show up online and yeah i've got some clients who think if i can book a face-to-face -face, i'm 75 percent of the way of winning the business space if i can get in their office they give me the time i, I there'll be less distractions going on i can do what i need to do and your chances of closing it are definitely stronger and higher than setting up lots of virtual meetings but it's also about showing the client you're interested in them. So that one of the things that stops people buying is that they don't feel the client, the, the seller, has shown them enough interest in them. So when you look at, you know, people who give up sales calls after the usually the first or second call, um, you know, the, people don't start buying until the seventh, eighth, ninth call. And yet most salespeople give up after one or two calls. Um, and the reason is that the person at the other end doesn't believe you're showing any interest in them. Because if you've only phoned them once and you never phone them again, you're clearly not interested. So the salespeople misunderstand why it takes that number of calls. It's about showing interest. So if you turn up at their premises and you show interest by actually making that two-hour journey, you've yeah. definitely shown them you're interested in them. So it's going to be much more positive for you. And if you don't um, know what to do, if you if you only got 15 minutes of material, ask for a tour of their premises. Say, I'm coming up. I'd love to have a tour of your factory or, you know, talk to people in the business to fight. So I get a real understanding of what you did. Show them you're interested. Spend all the time talking about them. And then you've got your 15 minutes of material that you might have presented online. And, and so as well as that kind of showing that you're interested enough in them um it, it, usually a lot of the time when people are ready to make a decision it's about timing and yeah. if they're not buying yet that means the timing isn't right which means yeah. you need to keep going back at different times yeah. to see if to see if whatever's happening in the background that's stopping them from making a decision has changed whether they've digested the information that we sent them and it's now changed their opinion um but yeah it's uh, 
those, those stats that you were quoting, I quote all the time, the amount of people who give up after two. And then they kind of go, don't worry, I've emailed them. I'm sure if they're interested, they'll come back. <laughs> yeah. Or send them a oh, random LinkedIn message. But Anthony, <laughs> I, was, I was really interested. Your client is taking a considered view of working out the success rate of certain face-to-face -face versus virtual interactions. And I think I would be really all over those metrics you know, as the sales director or head of sales, what's working most effectively? Because to, to the comment of that younger sales guy, very smart, he's thinking through, gosh, two hours there, two hours back, I'd, you know, I need to think you through. But mm -hmm. if face-to-face -face proves statistically more successful at certain stages of the sales process, you would want to start to build that in. Yeah. And, and, and be mm -hmm. careful of, yeah, but I could, I could spend a whole day in the office making calls. Yeah, but let's say you, you spend yeah. all day in the office, you generate £10,000 worth of revenue, but you spend one day with a customer and you sign a £7,500 or dollar contract. It's different. And I'm thinking back to mm -hmm. some, one of your expressions, Anthony, which is don't count your calls, make your calls count. And Absolutely. You know, that one one face to face, a whole day invested in a customer like Graham says, walking the site, meeting people might prove to be way more valuable than the eight or mm -hmm. 10 Teams calls or Zoom calls you might be able to make in that same day. And so I think it's really thinking it through and studying your data and what really works and deploying people appropriately. Yeah. And, and you and you really do have to consider the value that um, or the the ROI that you're going to get for your time based on what that client spend is. Because I've got clients who sell very low value items to the construction world. They do well. They don't want to go and see somebody to go and sell them a fifty pound drill or something like that. They mm. it's literally it's all online. There isn't meetings. There's a demo room if you want to come and visit us. But that's as good as it gets basically. Um, Whereas at the other end, uh, and the ones that are measuring that difference between virtual and face-to-face -face are more the that sort of IT and the logistics company that I worked with who actually do a bit of auditing and scoping as part of the visit, which then makes their solution much better and easier to present to the client, um, which is why their statistics are there. But I think you kind of have to look at the stats. If you can, if you close 50% of face-to-face -face meetings and you can only do two a day and you can close 25% of digital meetings and you're doing six of them a day, then technically you can make more sales doing it online, right? But um, it, it really depends, I think, back to what Graham was saying. I think that a lot of the time, particularly with higher value stuff, it's about building that relationship with a high value client. I don't really think it applies as much yeah. to lower value stuff and if you're if somebody's going to spend 50 100 or serious money with you you do need to show that you're interested you do need to have an understanding and i love that idea graham of planning to be there early and trying to asking for a talk what, what yeah. better way of showing that you're interested than asking to peek behind the curtain or to meet some of the team um and yeah, I, also, I think that's if you, if you don't find any more sales opportunities, uh, leads that way, I would I would be so surprised as <laughs> you well. You shouldn't right? be in your job, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> those sorry, Graham, you were going to say, I was going to say that even for the 50 pound drill person, you know, the person mm -hmm. who's buying that, you're actually showing you're interested in them by only offering it online because you're doing what they want. Yeah, they, they don't want you to come to their office to spend quarter of an hour and then ask them for a two-hour tour 
of their construction site just to buy a 50 quid drill. Yeah, that's wasting their time yeah. as well as wasting your time, because even if they buy another drill, that's not going to pay for your time that you've that you've dealt with that. But actually, you can then offer mm -hmm. things that do give you more interaction with them. So, you know, videos of how to use the drill, a video chat system that allow them to call you and say, I'm just buying this drill. Can I use it for this kind of material? Yeah, I can't see on your website. Mm -hmm. Those kind of yeah. functions that you add to your website that build your relationship are doing it from the point of view of you're showing interest in what the way they want to be sold to. That's the, the crucial thing. And also that just, was, a, uh, just sorry, go on, go on, Anthony. Yeah, far away I was, first. I was at the uh, CX Solutions Summit um, last week and I, one of the people I was talking to was in construction and literally selling drills and tools and stuff like that. Um, and we were talking about uh, their clients don't want meetings, um, but they're also the clients that don't really want to go sifting through a website to find the bits that they'd, they'd rather just pick up the phone and do it. Um, but they do have product um, guides that get sent out to people. Uh, and one of the things that they took away from me, I was talking about, well, don't just have a written guide, have a video how yeah. to, that's obviously the most popular content. And then I actually pushed it even further and said, you can even just have an audio guide. And the woman just went, and I went, and if you needed to, you could potentially do it in different languages. And she just went, that's it. And she wrote it down and she went, we've got so many Eastern European builders that are using this service, but literally by having those, that, that self-serve is made better, um, you're actually giving the client what they want and giving them easy access to it rather than forcing them into yeah. this, come on, let's be friends and have a meeting and a coffee. <laughs> and there are, there For a 50 are... quid drill. There are a there are a ton of um, some of them AI powered platforms that will allow a very realistic avatar, and you put your script in, and it will turn it into a ton of different languages and a ton of different uh, physical attributes as well. To, to as well, so yeah. yeah that's if you, if you wanted to do that, just a little aside here, we've done some <laughs> uh, research on this, and uh, by far the best tool to translate any text. Mm -hmm. is chat gpt oh, so really? the the, oh. the the tools that um are specific language translators are not as good as chat gpt so we've compared wow. it in a few languages wow. and done it with native speakers and the the chat gpt output as a translation is significantly better wow that's worth that's yeah. worth and it's learning all the time. And so it I, is. I tell you guys, we've we've mentioned um we've obviously largely been talking about going to the customer, but we have had one or two mentions during this a conversation about a customer coming to us. It's been mentioned sort mm -hmm. of in passing. Yeah. Um I've had loads of experience of customers telling me when we get the customer to our solution center, our success rate is off the scale. Um, when we get mm -hmm. them to come and visit our state of the art warehouse, they're supposed to be there for half an hour and two hours later, they're still there because they want to see more or they come to our showroom. Firstly, they have to make a real commitment of effort to come and visit you. So that is a really good buying signal, if you like to use old yeah. school sales yeah. parlance, but also what a very rich environment to show them all the great stuff you can have some lunch you have coffee together you can have some informal you can bring in your technical experts to come and talk to them because they're based on site so you know don't forget that now we're all 
back and we can we can move around the countries that we live in now customers might be really happy to get a day out and come and visit you as a supplier and get you on site and then you really can give them the full experience can't you my goodness who'd have ever thought that you would have people come to visit you to experience your products i wonder <laughs> wonder if mr disney ever thought of that i don't know 100 years yeah. of disney i wonder if they've ever thought of people visiting them instead of us being sold the the video or whatever to watch yeah. he might or, have he might have made the odd dollar out of that concept <laughs> graham uh uh mr 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 walt disney a bit of a genius creative genius we have to say so on that note i had a particular client who drove they were trying to get more appointments and one of the things that i was suggesting that they did and really they wanted to go and visit they wanted to see your setup yeah. basically so they could see what kit was missing and fill in the gaps uh, but what i suggested to them is to make the the person that you're speaking to realize that you are a proper company just the offer of saying look i'd really like to have a coffee you're welcome to come to our office i'd love to introduce you to the team we've got a demo suite of all of our products set up but if it's easier i'm more than happy to come to you and most people are actually lazy and would rather you go to them but the fact that you've given them the option to be able to come to you makes them go okay so you're a physical building you're not a shed in somebody's garden um and if if i did want to go and complain or i had an issue there's somewhere i can go to find out right um and it was interesting because as they started to weave that in more people would then it was almost like an alternative close do you want to come to us or do we come to you and people just go well you come to me right uh, as opposed to saying oh we'd really like to come out and see you and then it's a decision of whether you have a face-to-face meeting um but i do think that the, the, the demo suite for a lot of my clients particularly if you've got products yeah. it's so much better to have a proper setup that the people can come and experience um yeah. like you say I don't think there's any better buying signal than them making the effort to come and see you. I think yeah. the, only, the only comparison you can really give it is is retail. And you don't tend to walk into a shop unless you're curious or thinking about buying something, right? Yeah. 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 But even then, the conversion rate in most retail stores is only 20%. So there's 80% of people coming into the shop that the shop is failing to convert. So that, okay. that's a whole nother world of Yeah, that of might be issues. an entire episode for some yeah. of our listeners in retail land. So I think call to action for me, guys, would be one, let, let working in, but working backwards, if you can get them to come, if you're set up on site, getting them to come on site, what a great sales environment, very rich, wonderful environment to bring them. But maybe if you're a sales manager or sales leader listening to this, might be worth doing a little bit of an audit across your sales team. Have a chat with them, see how comfortable they are working virtually, how comfortable they are working face to face environment. What's their kind of experience and skills? What 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 support and coaching might they need if they're not if they've not very experienced in face to face? Bit of coaching on, you know meeting planning and things like that is a, is a, and, and, and those sort of things is a good is a good thing to do and if, if you yourself you're an individual contributor account manager national account manager key account manager i think just have a look at, at how successful you are virtually how successful you are face to face where maybe your your areas for improvement in those and and really obviously just make sure that we extract the maximum value for ourselves and most importantly, the maximum value for our customers from the yeah. time we invest 
in them and to jump back onto my hobby horse for goodness sake professional people are well planned and prepared i think it's very very disrespectful whether you're face to face or in person to rock up for cust if you're taking the customer's time i think you yeah. owe it to your customer to to turn up and be the best version of yourself you can be to serve that customer as best you can Absolutely. I think adding an extra piece for the planning and preparing punctuality to a face-to-face -face meeting is crucial. Uh, is yeah, if, if you're turning up on time, you are already late and you've probably missed out on an opportunity to find out more or build a stronger relationship before you start. And don't forget, put your trousers on. And definitely, definitely, folks, if anything uh it, it, graham most important i mean god what value you get from listening into the sales chat show i can't there's probably great it, about... it might not be trousers it might no, be of course yeah. no no but there's, there's probably but... at least 10 to fifteen thousand salespeople now who are going to listen to this episode and go that's where i've been going wrong yeah and some <laughs> of them are probably going i wish i'd known that before i was arrested for indecent exposure as i <laughs> As I walked to my customer's car park without my trousers on. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's a furious, fudgy smuggler salesman out there who disagrees with us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a that's quite a that's quite a horrible image that I've now been. <laughs> Mister Steers has implanted in my mind. Definitely time to bring this episode to a close. Uh, <laughs> we've been we've been recording this one virtually, and um, I'm pleased to tell you I've have had my trousers on yeah. the entire the entire time. So uh, and I am getting funny looks in the hotel reception because I decided not because we're virtual. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think uh, the Brighton Constabulary are just waiting <laughs> to escort Mister Steers off to the police station uh, for that. So, folks, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the sales chat show over 260 episodes now in our back catalog available from your favorite podcast platform also you can take a look at saleschatshow.com where all of them are available as well in the meantime whether you are selling in person or you are selling face to face or a hybrid of the two from anthony graham and myself we would just like to wish you good luck and good selling folks You have been listening to an episode of The Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at The Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. <laughs> <laughs>